Welcome everyone to another episode of The Success Bug. Hopefully you all know by now, but for those of you that don't, I'm Jay Washington. Every Friday I interview another young, successful, relatable entrepreneur. They share their stories with me, in turn share their stories with you, the audience. We all learn together, inspiring you all to escape the 9 to 5, one episode at a time. Let's get right to it. Daniel Mangina. He is a Forbes-featured international speaker, Wall Street Journal-featured master of success, and a two-time best-selling author. Dan is also the host of his own podcast that you can catch me on real soon called Do It With Dan and has made a fortune off of helping people just like you to identify their dream life and align themselves with creating it through coaching and his online content. You're not going to want to miss this one. Please enjoy Dan Mangina. How you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show, man. No, my pleasure. I think we've got you next week. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be on uh, Do yeah. It With Dan in a little bit. Excited about that. I'm sure we'll nice, touch on a lot nice. of the same stuff that we're talking about today. I think the first place I always kind of wanted to start with you was you said that you overcame a lot in your life. What was the first mm-hmm. real big thing that happened to you that you know led you to uh, helping other people do what you've been able to do for yourself? Can I tell you a secret? <laughs> I had no intention of helping anybody when I got through my own stuff. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So my stuff, it wasn't like, oh, I've overcome this stuff. Let me help the world. It's like, I've overcome yeah. this stuff. I don't want to have anything to do with any of that anymore. Yeah. I'm very happy. This is my bubble. I'm going to live my life and that's it. Yeah. What yeah. actually happened was more and more people kept asking for help or suggesting that I help people that they know. And in the face of that, I was like, no, 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 pushing it back, pushing it back. And then I was like, okay, God, I'll listen a little bit. Yeah. I'll like dip my toe in. Maybe I'll finish this book on Beyond Intention. I've been working in for like, I think by then I've been working in for about, I don't know, eight years or something like that. Okay, wow, book. wow. Finish the book and put that out. And that didn't feel like enough. Okay, maybe I'll do some speaking. But I kind of like my life, Jay. I was, I had a lovely home in London. Yeah, yeah. I had some nice watches. I had a tailor. I had some nice class. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't keep a relationship. I dated as someone I felt like dating. And if I right. didn't feel like dating, you know, I'd get up in the morning and say, I'm going to go and hang out with my friends in New York, pop some bottles and be a wanker and enjoy life. And then I go yeah. home and do it again. <laughs> and that worked for me. Right. It really did. And then the universe had to go and give me a taste of what it would feel like if I just got out of the way and said, yes. <laughs> and that was the 13th of February, 2018. I was on a walking meditation in the mountains of New Mexico. Right. I had this visceral experience of exactly what it would feel like if I just said yes. And after that, I closed down the website and I shut down that business and I packed up the house and went around the world teaching beyond intention. Wow. So was it kind of an epiphany or was it really just, you know, over time you realize this was kind of where you should be? It was an epiphany on like the dirtiest cocktail of steroids you've ever seen a UFC fighter using. Right. That's what it, that's what it was. It was an epiphany on Manny Pacquiao's cocktail of steroids and growth right. hormone. That's what it was. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. And like I had this, like I could taste, feel, touch and see exactly like I felt viscerally in my body, how much joy, how much happiness, excitement and how much aliveness there was from me just stepping up and doing this. Right. Right. And I did it. And now I get to live that life today. Well, I have to imagine a little bit of you too, having, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but having been through some of the things that you've been through, 
in the back of your head, you probably were feeling that even though that wasn't your intention in the beginning, there had to be a little bit of you that was like, you know what? I was in a bad spot myself. I would mm-hmm. love to see other people do the same thing that I've been able to do. I was really selfish though, Jay. Cause you know, like the, yeah. when I, when I lost my first business, I lost my first yeah. million when I was 20. Right. Okay. That business was set up to help people, but that is the business that ended up with me winding up in jail. I tried to help people. I didn't have the right paperwork and boom, there you go. I didn't have the right licenses and stuff. I end up in trouble. Right. And so I'm like, well, trying to help people didn't really work out for me so right. well last right. time. Right. Yeah. That, that didn't really work out for me last time. Right. I think I'm going to keep it real simple. I had a really close, tight circle. There wasn't pe- people weren't coming into that from outside. You know, I I real control. I think that's what it was. I had control yeah. right. over right. my environment and my experiences, and I didn't want to relinquish that. Right. So for you and to the extent that you don't want to talk about it, you feel free to just talk about it to the extent that you would like to or are comfortable mm-hmm. with. But what exactly happened with your last business that gives you this bird's eye view of what and what not to do now that you're in the position you're in? I mean, I was 19 years old, right? Okay. I was 19 years old. I had no business being in big business. I was an arrogant, untested, undiagnosed, autistic 19 year old that had only experienced wins in life. So I felt like Superman. So I'm off here doing big business and not actually getting any mentorship, no advice, no guidance, no direction. And so when years later, they're like, well, you weren't licensed by the FCA to do this. Sorry, we're taking everything. And by the way, we're going to have your liberty as well. That was not something that I was expecting to hear. I didn't, get and the other thing is as well is that experience over the years has taught me humility but at the time I didn't have that so you know I'm sitting there rolling my eyes and I'm fake yawning like I didn't really exactly inspire inspire anything I ended up getting (laughs) but at the end of the day right yeah I wasn't trying to do anything other than help people right now I understand what we, where I'm on now, 37, 18 years later, right? Now I understand, okay, make sure your stuff's together. Have the right lawyers looking at okay. everything. Right. I right. spent 172 grand on my personal development last year, which includes the coaches and mentors and, and the stuff that I, people I have checking over everything. Everything goes through the bookkeeper, the accountant, the lawyer. I keep everything tight in a hundred. So yeah, thank you. But, but there were some wounds there around having too many other people in the mix. Right. Okay. And I just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want any of that. I didn't want any of that at all. And that makes sense. So mm-hmm. following that, when you, mm-hmm. you know, were able to put that behind you, what was the first business or the first business venture that you went into with this new mindset after having experienced something so damaging in a way? So I'd actually been consulting already since about 2000 and I want to say 2004, 2005. Okay. So I've been doing that alongside. In fact, uh, when I made my second fortune, it was through consulting and project managing project funding. Right. Second fortune got stolen by people, but that's a completely different other story. <laughs> okay. I try. I tried to be clever. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to put everything in. Okay. Yeah. It's hard to. It's hard to touch on everything that's happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then everyone that I trusted basically ran off with the money. So that was, right. that was the second time. So, you know, I spent after that second loss. I went into the pits of suicide and it took me, I want to say 
I, I want to say until I got to a point where I can actually consciously remember that I was choosing life on a consistent basis till 2014. So I was on the journey. Right. Beyond Intention had already started taking form. I'd already started working on the book, Stepping Beyond Intention, that's now out. And it's a different book to what started. I started healing relationships with myself and going through my own healing process. But for those years, it was touch and go. I'd say definitely until about 2010, 2011. I think my last probably like dark suicide time was 2000. And I want to say 2011, right. I think. Um, I made it out of that one. It was coming off the back of that one that I got my um, my diagnosis of Asperger's, which was completely, I, w- I went to go and help with my insomnia and it turned out to be, oh, you've got general anxiety and social anxiety because you're on the autistic spectrum and you're not able to function in this situation and your body's responding. Oh, okay. Right. So, so coming off the back of the diagnosis, I started to see the light. And then I went to building up... Um, I went to building up what is now Corner 4 Consulting around then. And I, I I made the choice to go and reach out to some people that I built strong relationships before we started off with trade finance. And we built that business up till 2015, 2016. It was doing seven figures a year. It, wow. Got it up wow. And that's the business that I walked away from to do what I do today. Wow. So that must have been a big win for you. I mean, you said that as a 19-year-old, you had experienced a lot of wins. But, you Mm -hmm. know, after that, it kind of, for you in your mind, at least hit kind of a a wall. In reality, it hit a wall. Everything was gone and I wanted to kill myself. (laughs) 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 Okay, so it was, you hit a wall. (laughs) Yeah, there was a wall there. My face was in it. (laughs) Okay, yeah. You you hit the wall smack in the the face. So... Mm How, how did that feel for you to actually, you know, after all of that, those mm-hmm. two experiences that, you know, were the wall to be able mm-hmm. to come out of that and build a seven figure business that had to have been a, a huge win for you, maybe better than any of the ones you had as a kid, right? Yeah. And mostly that it stayed. Yeah. It exactly. was sustainable. Mm-hmm. Right. It's sustainable and it stayed. That was a really, really lovely, yummy place to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it there was the cost of this tight knit desire to control. I wasn't really open to connecting with people because people were dangerous. Right. Exactly. That kind of took me on the spiritual journey, the evolution in my spiritual journey, I would say from about 2016, when I started to connect into more community and to open up to receiving and to, to going on the path that really opened me up to eventually being open to open up and, and connecting with people, sharing my work with them, with strangers. And to be honest, it's only really been in the last, I want to say, year that I've really been open to sharing with strangers because I shared. Really? It was still kind of community and just outside of community. Really? People I know and just outside of people that I know. Right. So I've been really blessed that we've built up a business that's been doing, you know, pretty much six figures a month without really going into strangers. But over the last year, I've been hitting the podcast circuit, writing more articles. We spend a lot of money on ads, not to sell stuff, but to put my content in front of people and just being vulnerable to other people coming into my world and knowing that I'm going to be okay. Right. So has it been a, a team around you that's made you more willing to open up to other people about the work that you're doing or has it really just been a time thing with over time you've been more willing to open up you look back like okay that's not 
it's typically what happens when I do stuff like this or when anybody mm -hmm. does stuff like this. So mm -hmm. I should probably, you know, reassess what, what I think about this. I think really it was a combination of time. Okay. Plus investing in my healing and being committed to my healing. Right. A hundred percent because there were still narratives around. Oh, but I want to control the narrative. Yeah, right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't really want to big up, bring up that too much. And even talking about the whole suicide stuff, my family didn't know that I was going through that. Right. Right. My mum doesn't listen to podcasts, so she probably still doesn't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. <yeah. right>. <laughs> <laughs> the only way she would know is if she tuned in and heard. Yeah. Unless she, she asked, heard it. Right. And then I'd have to deal with that. And, yeah. You know, my nephews and nieces still see me as a superhero, you know, and now I do have a son, but then there was a the whole thing of, wow, like, he's going to listen to, you know, dust off the, the MP3 archives, whatever, and, 10, 15 years time. And he's going to be dealing with that too. So really letting go of this obsession, this shame and self judgment driven obsession with what other people are going to be thinking, right. what other people are thinking, but more so my perceptions, perceptions and projections of what right. other people are thinking. Gotcha. So to that point, you've had four books. I know you've had the, yeah. the dreamers manifesto stepping beyond intention from time to time. And then the last one is money game. Yeah. So they seem like they're all, they all have different things, different mm -hmm. intentions behind all of them, just based mm -hmm. on the titles alone. Mm -hmm. What inspired you to write these books and what do you think were the main things that you were trying to convey to people based on the journey that you had as a, as an entrepreneur? I'm with you. Well, from time to time, was just getting over myself was the intention. Got it. Yeah. So I've made this deal with God that I'm going to, I'm going to write some books. Um, I realized that I had had made, so stepping beyond intention, I've been writing since about 2009, 2010. You said it was about eight years, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was working on those ideas and putting it through and sort of looking at my journey and creating this construct for my, the journey that I've been on. But I'd made it a lot bigger than it was. Oh my God, yeah. I'm writing a book, blah, blah, blah. So I said to myself, oh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pop the cherry on this thing. I'm just going to get a book out. So I right. looked at what I knew. I looked at skills that I had, something that I could put into a book that I could just sit down. Give my, I think I gave myself like three months or whatever. And within three months, I can get this book out, put on Amazon and done. Right. And that's the book that I did. So it's my time mastery strategy that I use for, to master time. Right. So I just put that in book form, got it out and done. I was like, Oh, I'm a published author now. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So I got the Kindle out and then worked and got the, 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 the paperback ready and KDP Amazon allows you to do all that. Well, all right, cool. I got the ISBN numbers and all the things. Yeah. I said, okay, SBI, like said, building attention still felt like it needed some work. I wasn't ready. So I said, okay, what else can I do? And then I looked at my catchphrase dream with your eyes open. And I looked at the vision that I had for the world and for the dreamers that we were gathering to go and live that out. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I can explain what that means because people ask me. And so I wrote a book, a motivational book, very easy read, The Dreamers Manifesto, just outlining what my vision is and my mission. Yeah. And that's like a great little read that people just get into and get some motivation, connect with their purpose and connect with themselves. Right. And then I spent the next couple of years after that, just really getting Stepping Beyond Intention ready. Um, for the world. What's really funny is that we've just now, just at the point of recording this, just finished another gut and re-edit of it. Oh, really? Cover on it. Yeah, we've put a new cover. Um, uh, I had like an even more professional edit and I brought a professional team in to like get it to the next level because nice. I was like really just like, I just need to get it out. And yeah. 
not look at it again. So there's like stuff in there that wasn't as clean as it could be. It wasn't really given the full, because I just wanted to get it done by a certain dates. So I gave myself a date. Right. So it has to be done by that time. And we still, you know, we sold, you know, we sold enough cop- copies to go and get, you know, a bestseller on it or whatever. But I really wanted to honor the energy and spirit of the book, which is taking people through what Beyond Intention is as a four-step model and how it can really add to their lives and to give them some insights into the journey that I went on actually bringing that book to life. Yeah. And I I have to imagine also that, you know, writing a book has to come with a lot of, a lot of unwanted pressures. Like, I feel like for you, like you wanted to just put your vision out there, but I can easily see like a lot of the things like kind of out of nowhere you have to start thinking about like oh is this book going to sell anything like are people going to buy it like are people going to read it and then you're like oh man like i have to think about this stuff like did you deal with that at all like yeah we did and this is one of the reasons why we've you know we did another gut now because stuff like little things like um the cover it was like this (laughs) cover (laughs) like the now I've gone through a full cover process. The last cover looked pretty or whatever. We've right. got a nice graphic designer. The same guy that did my website did the right. cover. It looked pretty, but it doesn't connect with the meaning of the book. It so was just kind of like stuck. Yeah. So it wasn't really conveying right. the spirit of the book. So now we've had like someone who actually does book covers actually do that and take us through the process and what these colors mean and what that means and that means and how this brings people into the energy of the book and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So having experts has been definitely up there for the win. Right. And were you worried at all about selling as many copies as possible or was it more for you about getting your message out there? Just getting it out. Right. Because the thing is, it's like, I've got enough mentors now that Tommy, you don't make money selling books. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I just wanted to make back the money that I invested in the project and and have the book ready to go out. Right. Yeah, as long as we break even. Now we're doing some more stuff. I've got like a like a specialist team that look at the funnel based stuff. So we're going to do funnels to get this in front of the right people and get it in front mm. of more people and so on and so forth. Right. So maybe we'll make a bit of money on it. But the real thing was having the information in a format that people that maybe can't spend forty grand coaching with me can get a book and get some insights and do something with it. Okay. Right. That that makes sense. To that point, then it's also. Interesting because, you know, that that's definitely a time commitment. You're writing a book mm-hmm. and doing, especially for. So, mm-hmm. but you, as we know, you already have, you know, your business going, which is consulting. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. also have your, your coaching that you do as well. So mm-hmm. which of these is like your biggest, uh, would you say like driver of your own income? Like, is it more of the coaching aspect of it, the consulting aspect of it? It bounces between the two. Okay. So like Dream with Dan, you know, it's does six figures a month. Is, you know, it's a very successful business. Right. Consulting isn't really like a regular thing. I might get a job that'll pay me 200 grand, right. a job will pay me 300, a job will pay me 50, and then you won't see anything for months. And then you right. have like a load of jobs. There's been stuff, there's projects I'm working on that I've been working on for more than a year, for example. Right. right. And they may pull off, they may not pull off. So that one's more like lumps, but the lumps come erratically. Whereas this business tends to be more regular in its its return. Mm-hmm. Real estate's more regular. Um, and the other little bits and pieces, they tend to be sort of more, more regular, the e-commerce stuff that I do and whatever. Right. So all of that's cool. Uh, I'm blessed in that I live in Mexico. My cost of living, even living a badass life, is nowhere near what it would be, for example, in New York or London right. or whatever. Right. So my passive income streams put me in a position whereby 
I don't need to chase a consulting job. I don't need to chase a coaching client. I don't need to chase someone to buy my programs or to buy my stuff because I'm going to be good anyway. Right. Everything else is just sprinkles, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. And and two things to that. One, I did not know you were in Mexico. Like, like what part of Mexico are you in, right? In Cabo Cabo right now. That's where you live in Cabo? That's That's crazy. Wow. What made you move to Cabo? So I came here for three days, two and a half years ago. And you were like, this is it? Yeah. So I was in another part of Mexico house sitting for some friends. Okay. Um, I've been in here since July of 2018, I think July, August, something like that. And then um, some friends invited me here to look at doing some workshops. I came for three days, three days turned to 10. I was happy every day. Things just started blowing up. Like I started getting wins like that I didn't even know were possible for me to right. get. Yeah. Then there was a couple of really weird synchronicities. So my spirit animal for many, a long time has been a tiger. Um, my friend's house that I was staying at, they had a tiger skin on the window looking oh, okay. out onto the water. Once you saw that, you were like, yeah, let me just pack my bags. Yeah, the, gooses, <laughs> the, gooses, the gooses kicked off. Yeah, yeah, the gooses. And I was like, what? And I called one of my spiritual counselors. I was like, I sent her a picture. She's like, yeah, you guys are telling you that you're in the right place. How do you feel? I feel Don't good. come home. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I stayed. That was that was that was it. And um, yeah, I've been this. Now my son's born was born here in Mexico. Wow, so. wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so, like, what is that like? Yeah. Like, does he does he go to school in Mexico? And well, he's only five months. My stepdaughter's five. Okay, so she gotcha. goes to school down here. So she's in a bilingual school. And down wow. Here. Uh, but yeah, Ethan was born in a, down here in Cabo. That's awesome. It's going to be an awesome story for him. Well, yeah, he's interesting. Like a Mexican burst of good. What was really funny is that, um, I'll tell you a funny story. So in Mexico, on your birth certificate, you get your mom's last name and your dad's last name. Yeah. But they, because we were foreigners, we couldn't use a birth certificate. So we had to use our passport. So my wife re- is remarried to me. So she was married before. Right. So her passport is the only one of her documents that she's not, that she's not moved to Mangena. Oh, so they were wow. trying to put her ex-husband's name on my son's birth certificate. <laughs> that was <laughs> okay, and that that was that was an interesting that was an interesting yeah that story. that's got to be a that's got that's got to be a funny story to tell him at his like twenty first birthday party yeah. or something like that like it wasn't funny at the time I was oh yeah I, was I guess out. now you can look back and kind of laugh but yeah I was like ah, okay, yeah it's like a <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but yeah he's 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 born here no that's hilarious man. And mm-hmm. yeah, that was my first of two points is that I didn't know you, you were just living in Mexico right now. That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and second is that, um, the, the fact that your main source of income is more of the, the coaching at this point, but I am a little curious, I'm more curious about not more curious, but I am a little curious about like the consulting and what exactly it is without you mm-hmm. obviously revealing your secret sauce and what exactly uh, it is that you do, but like I mean, what I, that I, really I, entails for you. Anyone can look at the website, corner4consulting.com and they can see yeah. the we do, we do project funding. We do business model development. Um, we do stuff with like listing on stock markets, right. assist with that. Um, we take people through getting licensed with the SEC, for example, to raise funds for their projects. Which is probably for you really important to you because that's part of what you oh, ran yeah. into problems sure with in the past. Yeah, so <laughs> we've got hot tea for that, and we've got yeah. a really cool strategy called balance sheet enhancement, where we've got a way to like increase the value of a company, right. um, which is pretty cool. So we've got some really cool tips that we do, but mainly it's just coming up with creative solutions for people to either get their project to life or get it funded, whatever. So okay, 
So, okay, so that makes sense. So yeah. those are two wildly different completely, things you have going on. Yeah, different. Yeah. It's like two. And again, yeah, like I got a, I got an um, a job that was you know someone offered me this week that they want me to do. They've got like a, a spirits company. Yeah, in the US, they keep selling out. They haven't got enough liquidity to take it to the next level, so they can't get it to the point where they can really float it. So like. But they don't have enough cash to in, to grow because it's just right. literally trying to keep them above water, keeping up with the heavy demand. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the demand they've got obviously shows that they're they're ready to go and get more. So we're going to be coming in, finding a way to get them additional liquidity without too much liquidity of control, and putting them in position where they can look to float in like a couple of years' time. So I'm going to be getting involved with that. Right. So it it, it seems like they're both problem solving roles in their own way, but just in different mm-hmm. spaces. Yeah. One's in the corporate and one's in people's lives. Exactly. Do you enjoy that aspect of it? Is that why you go into it? Like you yeah. just like solving problems? Now that I have a better grip on who I am as, you know, being neurodiverse, mm-hmm. I see that life is a puzzle for me. So having the opportunity to have these really controlled puzzle arenas mm-hmm. It's fun. It lies. I'm in my I'm in my groovy place when I'm just sort of looking at a puzzle and coming up with a solution right. for it. Right. So mm-hmm. on, on the coaching side of that, yeah. I know that the way you kind of go at it, or at least one of the ways, is it's called the beyond attention paradigm. So mm-hmm. what exactly is that for you? And, and when you explain that to people, what do you uh, it conveys the important aspects of it? So the beyond attention paradigm is really about recognizing that life evolves from what I call the choice machine. So our reality is an ever-evolving experience from our choices. So our choices are being made manifest. But where people get stuck is the recognition of the fact that as much as 97% of the choices that are unfolding our reality are happening at an unconscious level. So what Beyond Intention seeks to do is twofold. Number one, step into the driver's seat and bring more consciousness to the choices that we are making. And number two, start to reprogram what's going on at the unconscious level so that the choices that we're making are actually leading to what we want rather than we've been trained to actually expect and create as i'm sure you know most people are operating on the unconscious built between the ages of two and seven blah 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 all of the things but our life is like this evolving figure of sixty thousand thoughts a day each of which is triggering a new emotional experience or maintaining the old emotional experience which triggering a reinforcement or a disruption of our thought patterns which is triggering a a series of unconscious behaviors and habits that are leading to our experience that we have as life so someone says hey i want to be more abundant but they've got thoughts emotions and thought forms that don't meet that so they've got habits and behaviors that don't support that They'll try hard. You know, they'll go at it. They'll try a new business venture. They'll mm. they'll even go and see a coach. They'll go and do this and go and do that and still say the same. What Beyond Intention is doing is looking at those parts of the experience where choice needs to be applied and bringing the power of choice to our inciting thoughts through intention, right. our emotional state and vibration through choice, um, what's going on with the belief systems and the unconscious narratives through choice, and then our habits and behaviors through choice. So we bring everything to heal and into alignment with what we want. Yeah. So if I understand correctly, it kind of starts right with the mind and, and your thought. It starts from mm-hmm. starts from a thought and then whatever your thought is, is what you start expanding your the rest of your choices and uh, your mm-hmm. actions into and what yeah. dictates whether or not you're successful. Mm-hmm. So is so how exactly does that you know impact people's lives overall and like in terms of whether or not they actually achieve what they want to as opposed to not? 
So when I describe an intention, an intention for me is a disruption of whatever unconscious program we're running on. Okay. Most people don't actually even connect or engage with their unconscious program. So there is no change. That's why their life stays the same. Or even if it drifts off course or even on course, it comes back to where it was. 90% of lottery winners end up exactly where they were within five years because they always come back home. To those that is a stat habits. I never knew. That's crazy. Yeah, 90%. <laughs> and do you know what's crazy about that stat? Broke people go to be back to being broke. Middle people go back to the middle and the rich stay rich. 90% of them. And there's a clear reason that's the case. It's not yeah. by chance if that's if that's <laughs> 90%, right? Habits and behaviors resulting from an acceptance of the new norm, which are seated in our emotional responses to our environment, which all start with thought. Right. So basically anybody who, not anybody, but most people who are of that status class, we'll call it, or mm. that status, if they were to come into a lot of money, they already had these habits in their mind. So whether they get it all at once, it's not like they're going to grow it into more wealth. They're going to spend it or they're going to lose it or they're going to end up back where they were. Back where they were, even if it was wealthy, that the extra or their living costs are going to go up. Right. For example, and the emotional experience of that increasing wealth is not going to be had because they've increased. Right. And one of my mentors talks about a, a financial set point is the way that he actually describes it. David Nagel, he talks about financial set point in that whether you're a business owner, whether you're in a career, whether you're an investor, whatever it is, you're going to stick near about to your financial set point. Sometimes people drift a little bit beyond it, but they're going to be in the same kind of bracket unless they right. do something about it. So when did you know that that was something that you could offer to people, like in terms of I have something that I know works for people who mm -hmm. might be in that position? So even when I was on my journey and still in my stuff, the little pieces of the journey that I was on were still right. being shared with people. Very close knit, not like wide scope. So, you know, even to this day, I still continue to develop beyond intention. My next book, Step, Stop Meditating, the book that I'm working on this year to get out later this year, is talking about, you know, the latest experience and evolution of that 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 work. So I, I was always kind of sharing it with people and I kind of knew that right. it was going to be of service to people, but I just wasn't interested in being involved with people. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's, we were selfish. <laughs> I was being selfish with it. It's like, this is mine. Sorry, bro. But yeah. as more and more people were, were making reference to, Hey, you should be doing this. Hey, have you thought about that? Hey, you should be speaking more. Hey, mm -hmm. there comes a point where you kind of have to listen to the voice of God and kind mm -hmm. of like say, okay, cool. I get it. All right. Like something, know. there's something here that definitely, yeah is pulling me yeah. in one direction, right? Yeah, right. There's some consistency here. We're talking about completely random people that like people meet you for the first time. Like, hey, do you do any coaching? I remember I remember I was in a um I was in London with two of my business partners. We were at uh there was a bank that we're doing some work with and we're at a, a party that they were doing and like one of the employees I ended up giving her like coach I'm not even a coach by this time. I'm still business consultant. Right. <laughs> And she says, oh, thank you so much. You changed my life for this conversation. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, really? <laughs> you were like, I, I hitting, did? I was hitting on you. <laughs> like, hitting on her, turning to like coaching her and never seeing her again, but still wow. like, leaving her with that impact. Oh my God, you changed my life for this conversation. Yeah. And that, was and that wasn't even your intention to be in with. You were like, no. wait, what? <laughs> I was like, you're kind of cute. Like, see <laughs> okay, it's going there, I guess. But, um, but yeah, that's... 
that's what happened. It was, it wasn't my choice. Honestly, I had no intention or desire of being like an international speaker and a coach and an author. I just wanted to live a good life without it all, without pissing it away. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Point. That's all that I wanted. That's what I wanted. I like nice things. I like a nice life. And I just wanted to enjoy that. Um, that's it. I didn't want any buzz. I didn't want mm. like any stuff. I just, my quiet, peaceful, happy little life. Right. That's what I wanted. Man, and see, it also seems like you had no intentions of, you know, being in the nine to five and, you know, having, like, it seems like oh, you no, really was, enjoyed was, it. It was, was never in the cards for you. Was, I've had two jobs in my life. Okay. Once I worked in the movies when I was a teenager, by then I didn't even need the money. I taught myself to make computers. So I was, I was already getting money. Right. And then this is where those wins were where you were talking about. (laughs) Yeah. That was one of them. Then when I was rebuilding my life, um, from like 27, I would say about 27, 28 years old. When I was building out the the consulting business, I was Mm. working in a call center. I worked there for about five, six months. Other than that, I've not had a job. I've never worked. I've never been in on the corporate ladder. I don't know what that is. Right. Right. That's not, that's never been my life. And you always just kind of knew that. Well, I knew from about the age of 11, that I was going to be a millionaire. Like I knew that it was like, this is what I'm going to do. So was it that, did you know that you were going to become a millionaire or did you know that I'm going to become a millionaire by doing this? I knew I was going to become a millionaire. I wanted to do it by 18 and I pulled it off by 19. Wow. So what exactly did you do but to make that fortune at that age and really make it work? Like were there the in terms of like the aspects of knowing how to go about business? I didn't know anything about business and that's why I ended up in trouble. Okay. <laughs> I, had, I, I didn't know anything about business. Right. I had ideas. Okay. And I've been described as a precocious teenager okay you know people had seen that i was hustling and grinding from young so people were like yeah i'll give him a shot so you know mm. the big grown men like the bankers that were giving us the money to do the deals that we were doing it's like you're literally letting a 19 year old do multi-million pound deals like, right okay cool when i look at it now and i look at like my nieces and nephews for example <laughs> and i look at like like I should have been getting drunk and having sex with girls or like trying drugs or something. No. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on, uh, you got making millions going to the office. That wasn't what I should have been doing. Right. Again, I hadn't been tested by life. Right. And ultimately what it came down to is that the way that we funded these deals was that we had friends and family give us the money to do the deals, but that's illegal. And I didn't know that. Right. It's illegal right. to accept deposits from someone without a license by the FCA. And it's all, it's something that at 19, you just don't know. Like you're probably thinking about that. I'm, yeah. thinking about that. I'm thinking about, at the time I was just thinking about, okay, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning. Mm-hmm. People are good. Yep. You're getting paid, you're getting paid, you're getting paid. We're winning, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning, mm-hmm. we're winning. And there was this egoic drive. I was yeah. the guy that was helping people get rich. Right. 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 And there's got to be something about that that is like addictive in its own way, right? Yeah, of course it was. Of course it was. But again, I was young. I hadn't been tested by life. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything. I knew so, nothing. And in your head, it was like, 
I'm doing well, you know, everybody else around me is doing well, we can't be doing anything wrong. But in reality, you're a 19 year old, you break the law, you have a filed <laughs> business, and you're of age <laughs> legally. And those are things that you don't really think about. Right? It was like, really? No, I remember I took a year out of uni. And I still haven't gone back to finish uni. <laughs> so really? like, I did uni for a year, came back, did this, and then it went off in another direction. So I hadn't right. even finished my college degree. Well, regardless but of I the fact that, it, yeah, I mean, regardless of the fact that it didn't work out, you had to know that even though you were not being smart in some ways, that you had something that, you know, would work for you down the line. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, we've got... Oh, the evidence to show that it it worked up to a, up to a point. Up to a point, yeah. Had we had the right licenses, who knows where things would have gone? For sure, but we you ended up where we. Us. Sorry, you were saying? No, I was just I was just saying you kind of ended up where you should be, or you're happy where you are now, regardless. Oh man, this is the thing. One of the things that I got when I had that meditation experience in 2018 was that. The thing that rang in my mind was I was grateful for part of my experience. You know, I, I was more grateful. I was a humble person. I've got stronger relationships with my family. I appreciate life. Um, I've learned lessons. You know, I, I'm more successful, I believe, not as financially as perhaps the trajectory would have taken me, me to from if I'd spent the last 18 years building right. from that time. Who knows where, but maybe I would have been on a Forbes list or whatever, or be mm-hmm. a billionaire by 30. I don't know, but I was more whole. I was more complete as a result of this experience, but there were pockets of it that I kind of dusted under the mat. And I was like, we're not going to look at that. We'll, we'll, we'll leave, that, leave that for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. We'll leave that for tomorrow. <laughs> and that had been accumulated. And what I saw in that experience yeah. was every single aspect of it. I, I was finally able to be grateful for all of the crap too for the dark times, for the plunges towards suicide, for people ripping me off, for people slandering me, whatever. I was grateful for every single part of it because all of that had been the journey to this very perfect place where I got to experience exactly what it's going to be like if I just say yes. Right. So today I'm able to be grateful for the entire experience, all of it, right. all, of it all of it, all of it. Not just the bits that feel kind of better than others. Yeah. And it's, it's got to be a little liberating almost, right? To, because it, you feel kind of chained down by that for a while. A lot liberating. A lot liberating. You probably feel almost a little chained down by those those experiences for a while. Like whenever you do get a win, it's like you in the back of your head, it's like, okay, well, this still happened. So I'm yeah, not entirely winning. And, and even when I look at this fear of other people being in my world, I was trying to keep safe right because you're going into business someone hey just so you know you know this has happened that happened this in the past now but blah, 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 blah. you have your conversation it's done like i'm controlling the narrative whereas you know when you're out and out and you're not even you don't even control who's coming from where or what's coming from what you don't have any control over that and there was this incessant need to try and neatly try and control everything that was it become a prison right right it was a prison. You know, now being in the public eye and, you know, I just now speak about my life and my experiences. It's just so much freedom yeah. that comes from that. There's nothing really still to get hide. judgment sometimes? Yeah, of course. But guess what? I found that generally the people that have that kind of attitude, I don't really want anything to do with anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that's the way it's been. So when you look back on that entire journey, I mean, 
it's had ups, it's had downs Mm -hmm. and it's had, you know, really low points for you mentally. Mm -hmm. When you look back on that for other people who might be maybe on a similar path, but not necessarily could be in a different space, a different Mm -hmm. industry, whatever, but they want to start a business. What is your biggest piece of advice based on the things that you've experienced thus far in your journey? Make sure you've got the right people around you. Right. You know, when you, when you started, when you started that with the P word, I thought you were going to say, make sure you have the right paperwork. But the right people are going to make sure you've got the right paperwork. That is true. That is true. Right. So investing in competent legal counsel, a business mentor, not someone who just went to Harvard and got an MBA, someone that does what you want to do and is at least a good decade ahead of you or someone that's at least further down the road to where you want to be and invest in coaching a hundred percent. Someone who's going to have you at the top of your game, invest in healing as well because your crap will come up (laughs) and manifest in that financial journey. So having the right people around you, a good relationship with your banker, an accountant that keeps your books together because especially if you're in the U S because the IRS will put you guys away. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> the irs are after you guys it's so like the type of laugh where it's like i'm not kidding they will push you i'm away. not kidding ask wesley snipes ask yeah. wesley snipes yeah. he knows about that right uh, but most importantly have fun like if you're not enjoying it don't do it right. like if you're just coming to business because you want to get paid or you want to be johnny big bollocks don't do it don't do well, it this is and this is a. Uh, this isn't me hanging up on you. This is how I usually end my, uh, my episodes, but I found that like, I usually start to say like, all right, man, well, thanks for coming on the show. And then they'll think that I'm trying to hang <laughs> up on them. And it's, it's really just me like trying to edit the show. So this is, I'm going to edit this part, but this is me saying now, man, um, it's been an awesome, awesome conversation. I think, you know, anybody can gain a lot from what you've experienced on your specific journey. I mean, it's not often where, you know, you go to jail for something and literally Mm -hmm. learn your lesson that way, come back from it and Mm -hmm. still make a fortune more than Mm -hmm. a lot of people will ever make. There's a lot to be had from that for a lot of people. I really appreciate you being open about it because I think (laughs) seeing that vulnerability is really important. I'm glad I can serve. Well, we're always, you know, going to be watching all the great things that you guys, you're going to continue to do. And um, if there are, is anything that you want to drop here, a place where everybody can find you, anywhere they can buy your books, all of that stuff, feel free to drop it now and we'll have everybody check it out. In the- Dreamwithdan.com. Everything's there. There's free resources, uh, podcast links, social media, books, everything. Dreamwithdan.com. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Dan. It's been awesome. And, you know, as I said before, looking forward to seeing all the awesome things you guys are going to continue to do. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. And that will do it, everybody. That man might have the most soothing voice I've ever heard in my entire life. It's like a lullaby. But anyway, tons and tons of really helpful information for anybody trying to start their own business or just be inspired to start their own business in general. It's always super helpful to learn from the people who have failed pretty pretty miserably. And Dan's been pretty open about that, and not a lot of people are. So that's incredibly valuable in my eyes. Please be sure to keep up with Dan and his journey. You can find him at Dreamer CEO on Instagram, also dreamwithdan.com, and also just search it, search in Google Dan Mangina, who's the first thing that pops up. But until next time, next Friday, love you all. We'll be right back here with another interview with a young, successful, relatable entrepreneur. You're not going to want to miss it. Peace.